We are there to help him diffuse the bomb instead of trying to fix, instead of trying to solve, instead of trying to change who he is in the heat of the moment. I mean, we don't want to change who he is at all, but in the heat of the moment, it is never the time to one, ignore, or two, try to fix and solve. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at CalmTheChaosPodcast.com. What is the best way to quickly diffuse your child's uh, challenging behavior in the moment? Scream at them. Punish them, lock them in their room. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was like, are we playing? Need a buzzer. This is not correct. Although so many experts and professionals, uh, that's the advice that they give is that you're supposed to set firm limits and boundaries and that you're supposed to stay consistent at all costs and not let your kids walk all over you. So apparently we're supposed to make kids cry when they do things they're not supposed to. Like show them who's boss. Is this like 1823? It is not, but you'd be surprised. You know, every time that I think that we're making headway in the world, when it comes to how to handle challenging situations in the heat of the moment, I see a comment on our Facebook page or I see something on Instagram as a reply to something that we've put out there. And it is very much like you're the problem with the world today and you're the reason why everyone is struggling and and all all of the difficulties we have in the world and i would actually argue it's the opposite our kids need to have a safe place to make mistakes to get things wrong to act out quote unquote you know have misbehavior and and then have a coach or a guide or a mentor that can teach them how to respond differently or how to get their needs met without the need for hitting or arguing or fighting or uh, pushing against those boundaries. To be honest, you know, like I am happy to have conversations with people about treating children equally, right? Just as humans. Oh my gosh, what a surprise. Our kids are human. (laughs) I know. I'm happy to have that conversation is what I'm saying. Right, right. Okay. We've been walking through each of the stages of our parenting roadmap. And so we talked about five stages to the parenting roadmap that we've identified. And the very first one is riding the storm, which is just getting everyone to safety. And the second one is getting time and energy, which was in the last episode. This episode is all about what to do in the heat of the moment to diffuse the situation and to remain connected through it all. For this stage, we, as with all of our stages, we have roles that we've defined and some challenges that are in front of you at this stage. And so at this stage, we describe you as a chaos wrangler. Now, I think that sounds pretty accurate. I think so, too. It's kind of like herding cats. 
Uh, yes. And, you know, I think we've got chaos coordinator up here. It's the closest <laughs> thing to chaos Similar. wrangler. Um, but yeah, at this point, you're you're just kind of always dealing with different challenges between your different kids or one kid or whatever it is. And it just feels like no matter what you do, you're trying to remain calm, but it's really difficult. You're trying a million different strategies because you've been scrolling Pinterest, you've been scrolling Instagram or TikTok, and you're like, oh, let me try that fancy hack or trick. And I just want you to know that here at Calm the Chaos, we don't actually believe in parenting hacks or tricks. We believe in creating sustainable change. And that does not come with a quick hack or a trick. Wow. One of our students played hide and seek with their kids and then the kids hid in the bed and then she took a long time to find them and then they all just <laughs> fell asleep. I mean, that seems like a parenting hack. That is not going to work every <laughs> single night. But it's it, brilliant. The fact that it worked once it's is amazing. It's brilliant. Let's let it work one time, but it's not going <laughs> to. You can't play hide and go seek and accidentally for your, get your kid every single night. Probably not. No, they're so, going to they're going to get on. The, they're they're going to smell it. Yes. So okay. the number one challenge that mm -hmm. you have in this stage, like in the moment, is to diffuse the chaos mm -hmm. without adding more fuel to the fire. Oh, absolutely. Because how often, you know, just like we were saying, like when when your kid is refusing to get off electronics or when the siblings are fighting, it's so easy to jump in and be like, how dare you? What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? How many times have I had to tell you that? And we actually had like an alternative start to this episode, which we threw it in the trash real fast. But it started with me yelling at Jason. And he was like, what happened? I couldn't recover. He couldn't recover. Like the whole energy of the room shifted and it just wasn't working. And we were being playful. So imagine that in a real situation and trying to get your kids to listen or follow directions or trying to get them to trust you when you've just yelled at them, berated them, talked down to them. Sure. Now, on the flip side, we were told by some other therapists in the middle of the moment when our son was really struggling, just leave him in his room. Just put him in his room. He'll calm down on his own. You're feeding into it. You're causing his tantrums and meltdowns to be bigger. And first of all, it that just makes you feel like crap. Like, why would someone tell you you're the cause? It still baffles me that that is one of the go-to things that experts will say is, you're the reason this is happening. And not in a like, hey, this is something really small that you can shift. But, and hey, you're human. This is normal. But a, like, how dare you? You're making things so bad. In that moment, just to kind of share for other people what happened is, you know, we're we're at a loss. We're like, okay, fine. We will do whatever people say to do. We will try it despite my education background and all the things I had been learning. And so, you know, meltdown came as they always did. And I shut the door and I held the back side of the door so he couldn't come out of the door. And I sat on the other side as he screamed, as he kicked, and it got quiet. And once it got quiet, I remember thinking, okay, must be safe. I'll go in. And this is um, a slight trigger warning for anyone might want to shut it off. This is a little alarming, even to myself at this point. So I walked into the room and he had his second story window open and he was trying to jump out of it. And on top of that, he had a plastic bag on top of his head. And when I like jumped in to stop, 
He was like, I just want it to stop. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to yell. I don't want to be like this, but I don't know what to do. I just want it to end. That right there was like, okay, we need a different plan for in the moment. And that's where a lot of what we are going to be sharing today kind of came from is we need something that helps him in the moment know that I'm a safe place, that he can come to us, that we are there to help him diffuse the bomb instead of trying to fix, instead of trying to solve, instead of trying to change who he is in the heat of the moment. I mean, we don't want to change who he is at all, but in the heat of the moment, it is never the time to, one, ignore, or two, try to fix and solve. We have students in in many different situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have multiple kids. Uh, they're playing what I call zone defense, right? So it's one on three or, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. even one on four. And... Uh, they will be cleaning up, making lunch, making dinner, whatever the case is. And, you know, just in the other room, they've got the three kids. And in an instant, it goes from like, hey, did I hear something? You know, and then to just full on chaos. Yeah, that is a really common one. I think another common one is around bedtime or around getting out the door or anytime there's like a major transition. So getting out the door in the morning, um, eating bedtime, taking baths, doing homework, anything like that, there seems to be this resistance and this push and pull and um, almost this like massive power struggle that the parents get into with the kids. Yeah. And in the instances that you just mentioned, that common thread jumping out at me is just external pressure of I got to get to school on time or after I drop off the kids, I got to get to work on time, Mm -hmm. you know, or man, if I don't get these kids in bed, that means my my nighttime routine is thrown Mm -hmm. off and then I'm not going to get enough sleep. There's this outside pressure, not just like the in the moment situation. Right. And then I would say that the other in the moment thing that kind of happens is just this outright refusal that parents get from a kid. So let's say they're asking their kid to um, to clean up their room or to put away their toys or to um, to get off their electronics. We see a lot of times these battles between, you know, kids who are really stuck in the thing that they love and the thing that they're doing. And then the parents trying to get them to move on or to change again, a chance, a transition. But there is that just refusal and where the kids will say no, or I hate you, or you're the worst parent ever, or you can't make me, um, things like that. And then the parents end up usually blowing their lid as well and, and screaming and saying, you know, that's it. You know, we're not going on vacation, you know, no Christmas for you. Yeah, our I think our parents. Right. And I know that I felt this way was just like at the end of my rope, at my wits end, extremely okay. frustrated, just baffled by what to do next, mm-hmm. where it didn't result in like me yelling or my kid feeling deflated or, you know, just me losing my marbles or like, you know, we, we mentioned before, right. It, it put a really big strain on our relationship. Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Like the times where you've kind of lost your cool in the middle of it um, and you've struggled to remain calm. Like, how do you feel afterwards? It's definitely hard right? as dad prior to sort of me figuring out how to keep calm. And, and that's for the most part, uh, like I would definitely turn into like Hulk dad a little bit, um, you know, where I would yell and scream at him. And, you know, it's it's like you you 
get through the moment, right? And like you'd either tap me out or I would walk away or I'd go for a walk or whatever. And you would just like beat yourself up. I would just like, what the hell's wrong with me? Why did I just do that? He's just a little kid. He doesn't deserve that. Like, what the heck? What am I going to do? Right? Like I would just go through all this doubt, like all this pain, all this mm-hmm. sadness, right? And then you know, I'm not really a confrontation kind of guy. So then like, you'd be trying to like, kind of put us back together and reconnect. And uh, it was actually our, our oldest who would kind of initiate a little bit more. Um, Cause I think he also felt bad mm-hmm. and wanted to fix it. Yeah. Um, I know that would always help yeah. afterwards, but it, it was like, it was demoralizing. So we see a lot of times parents especially the moms go into this guilt and a lot of self-doubt is this working will it ever get better how am i like we've even heard parents say they're better off without me like they they deserve a better mom and that one always breaks my heart but i've been there and i've had those feelings and you know it's not just the parents who are feeling really rotten and who are feeling like they've done something wrong and you know, are doubting themselves. It's also the kids. And, you know, we've had our own oldest son say things like in that moment of, I just don't want to be like this. Um, I wish that I could be different. What's wrong with me? But we've also heard of a lot of kids who start to believe that they are bad. They start to believe that something must be wrong with them and that they're tearing the family apart or that they're somehow broken. And that right there, when a child feels like they're broken and that something's wrong with them, that's when I know that it's time to, you know, radically do something different and not do things just because it's the way our parents did it or grandparents did it or because society tells us to do it that way. But it's time to break the mold and try something different because I believe that if our children grow up and they hate themselves or they hate the world around them, then they will displace that hate somewhere, whether on themselves and they'll hurt themselves or those around them. What we do in the heat of the moment really is building a foundation for how they learn to handle their stresses, their frustration in the heat of the moment. So if we want to teach our kids to problem solve, to take breaks, to uh, regulate their own emotions and their own stress, us hitting them, spanking them, putting them in timeouts. That's not going to teach them that. My favorite is yelling at your kid to stop yelling. (laughs) That is really common, though. (laughs) It is really common. Stop yelling! Yes. I mean, I used to yell so loud that I would lose my voice and I had that pain in my throat from yelling so loud. So, you know, yelling is is really normal um, and getting to the root of why you're yelling is important. So let's dive into what to do, though. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we've done a pretty good job of painting the picture yep. of in the moment, some of the struggles, what it feels like mm-hmm. for both the parent and the kid. Why don't we like part the clouds just a little bit and like the sunshine can come through here? (laughs) Exactly. Okay, great. So we are going to do the in the moment plan. Um, Every plan that we create at Calm the Chaos follows the UQ framework. So for those of you who didn't listen to one of the earlier episodes, our Calm the Chaos framework is four elements. It is 
you for yourself and being that calm grounding force connection, which is accepting your child for who you have in front of you, not the child you wish you had had and understanding. So getting to the root of the problem and really seeing the full picture. And then finally, empowerment of both the parent and the child. So the uh, in the moment plan consists of those four steps. So for the you piece, we do something that's one of my favorite things that we do. And it is thought swaps because we've got some really fun um, ways to do this. And the idea is that if we are feeling resentful, frustrated, angry, mad, some sort of power struggle, then we can't enter in the moment, calm, compassionate, kind, loving, open. And so in order to change our feelings, we have to start with ourselves. We have to start with our own thoughts. And the easiest way to do that is to actually like depersonalize the thoughts and feelings as if they're not wrong, right? So we have these thoughts that go through our head, like this will never get better, or my kid always yells, or there's just so much going on. How am I ever going to get through this? Or I should have done this. They could have done that. They, If I had just done this, and we get so stuck on these thoughts that we go into the situation already raring to go, like our engines just revved up and we are ready to fight tooth and nail over whatever it is that's going on. And so we've created something called Thought Monsters. Yep. And some common ones that I've pulled out are just cyclone, which is this idea that, you know, there's so much going on and how am I ever going to get through all this? And then we have the always and never beast, which is this idea that your child always does something or never does anything you ask. And then finally, that shoulda, coulda, woulda, which I even heard in your descriptions earlier of like, I should have done this. I could have done this. Like, I wish I would have done this. Yeah. And um, and we swap those. What are we swapping for? It's almost a one to one relationship. The thought monsters to super swaps. Yeah. But, you know, you're just swapping those beliefs. You're swapping the thought monsters. Um, and uh, so some of the examples we do have are like DJ break it down. Right. If you're super DJ overwhelmed. Right. Like calling on DJ break it down to help you kind of like get clear on what really is happening um, can be really nice. We got Fact finder, Freddie, this one's great for always and never be. So when the always and never beast rears its ugly head and is like, my kid always, my kid never, then you can call on fact finder, Freddie, to actually look for proof that it's not always. It's sometimes, it's when stress, it's when there's less time, it's when... Um, they haven't eaten. <laughs> yeah. And when you are stuck in sort of the negativity spiral, you know, your brain is looking for the thing all the time. And that thing is like your kid's behavior that is supporting your theory that they're always bad right. or whatever that case is. Right. So when you call on Fact China Fetty, you can really find the instances where, where they aren't. Yeah. And then lastly, we have the sparkler. This one is hard for a lot of parents, especially moms to use, I've found. And it's because a lot of times we have a hard time believing in ourselves yep. and seeing the good in ourselves. But if we're constantly looking at shoulda, coulda, woulda, and all the things we did wrong, then we 
are never able to build off of the things that we're doing right. And so to me, the sparkler is all about finding the things that you are doing well. And maybe you were able to remain calm, but you said things that you wish you hadn't said. Or maybe you were able to apologize afterwards and you were able to repair the relationship afterwards, even though you had a fight. So focusing on those small growth moments and those small things that are going well is going to benefit you so much more in the heat of the moment. And it's not about remembering all of these. It really is about remembering one. So just think back over the last week, over the last argument that you had with your your child and think what thoughts went through your head as you were entering the situation, as you were entering the room. And a lot of times it's the He always, he's the worst. Why is he doing that? And so if you can swap that now, when it happens again, you already have a new super swap to pull out when, um, you know, when your kid is refusing to go to bed again. Yeah. And the last thing I want to add here before we move on to the connect piece is regardless of it's always and ever a cyclone or, you know, any of the thought monsters that we've like, you know, come up with, it's the idea that the thought that pops into your head may not actually be true. Mm. That will be a game changer for you. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. And practicing it out of the moment, you know, and we talked about in the last episode, we talked about that shift that you can do daily. And so practicing this thought swap every day even when you're not in the heat of the moment, is so powerful. It comes up every couple months. There are these posts where the parents have the Thought Monster cards and their kid will come up to them and say, Mom, I'm struggling with always and never, right? And I need the sparkler or whatever. And they come to the parents with the cards and it's just like, dang, dude, you're teaching your eight-year-old to uh, monitor their own thought process and think differently and think that there's a better way. And it's just like the self-awareness of these kids is mind-blowing. Yeah, we've seen a lot of... And this is more of an ahead of the moment plan where you're teaching your kids to use this. But, you know, we have had children who create in the moment plans for when their sibling takes their toys. He always takes my toys. He never gives my toys back. And so when he can, they can swap that, then it makes it easier for them to do the connection piece, to be empathetic with the understanding piece and to empower both both kids. Dana here, and guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable, I'm 100% sure you're going to love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. So let's talk about the connection piece. So the connection piece, right? We have talked about this in the past, that in the heat of the moment, it is not the time to fix. It is not the the time to lecture or to, um, you know, to try to skill build. And I know there's an argument out there that, you know, the, the root word of discipline is to teach. But that does not mean in the heat of the moment is the time that we do that. And the heat of the moment is where we build that that trust and that connection and we become that safe place for our kids and one of the when i say what the the connection piece is everyone always rolls their eyes so i've got some caveats so the connection piece in the moment is to get closer and lower 
I know, I know people are already going, that's not going to work for me. I've already tried to get closer to my kid. They kick me in the face or I've gotten lower and, you know, it doesn't work. I hear you. Right. And Calm the Chaos is all about finding what works for your unique family, your unique situation. I want you to think of closer and lower more as an idea. Well, sure. Sure. Of the getting closer in in energy and in relationship. Now, it also can mean in location, right? So if you're in the kitchen and your kids are upstairs fighting, you move upstairs. But if you're already in the same room, maybe you're moving to the same side of the room as them, but you're just moving closer. And some of us are going to take this super literal and get right next to each other, right? But there are a lot of kids that do not want their space encroached upon. And so getting too close is actually dangerous. So you want to look at your specific situation and, and just change your proximity to your child. Same with lower. So a lot of times people will say, well, I can't get lower. That's not going to work. I'll get a lot of people who will say, I have old knees. I can't crouch down. And it's the lower piece is about disarming your body not looking like this big, huge force to be reckoned with. So it might mean that you squat down. It might mean that you lower your body. It might mean that you have them stand up. Whatever it is, you're kind of evening out the playing field so that you don't look like this big, huge, scary monster coming in to, uh, you know, to to stop them doing whatever they're doing. A lot of our kids, they're... Uh, their perception filters, the way that their brain processes information uh, is not through the same lens that we have, right? They process differently. They have different different focuses and priorities in their brains that maybe that you have or that I have. In their interpretation, you raising your voice because you're literally three rooms away just to say, hey, cut it out in there, right? Just to amplify your voice so they can hear you. They catch on to that. And then they're like, oh, no, mom's super angry. Yeah. Now it's I really feel alarming. bad about myself. It's alarming, right? So it's just getting into the head of like your kiddo yeah. and saying, hey, they may not be experiencing the same way. Like I am just... You know, uh, it makes me think of uh, our oldest, you know, when you don't feel well, your voice might get a little gravelly. And he's like, why are you so angry with me? Mm -hmm. Right. And you're like, I'm not angry. I'm sick. And he's like, oh, yeah. OK, cool. <sighs> you know, and you can like see the pressure. Like, really? He's like, what did I do wrong? Why are you you know, why are you Batman voicing me? The goal of like not adding fuel to the fire is really the emphasis here. The, the next piece is the understand piece. And guys, I could seriously do an entire episode on just the understand piece. And I could also do an, an episode on each of the pieces of the understand piece. So we're going to try really hard to not go too deep here. Let's maybe save that for like episode 342. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. It's also in the book. It is spelled out step by step in the book. So the Calm the Chaos book, be sure to go grab it and go to calmthechaospodcast.com. You get a free chapter. Um, anyways, one of the things that really is hard for me is Everyone and their mother wants to tell you why a kid is doing what they're doing. So if I go into a Facebook group right now and I just post, my kid won't stop hitting. I don't know what to do to solve this. I'm going to get 500 different ideas of what's wrong with the kid. 
And it's always in the deficits and with the negative. It's always looking for things that are broken or missing. And when I'm in the heat of the moment, the thing that I like to really focus on is what need isn't being met that's causing this outward expression, this outward frustration or explosion that's happening, whether it's an argument, you name it. And I spent a lot of time really piecing pieces together and identifying what were the most common root causes of outward behavior that we see in children, we see in adults. And we've created a system that makes it really easy to kind of do a checklist of what's going on. Now, in the heat of the moment, your kids are pulling at each other's shirts. You're not going to whip this out and go through a checklist. You could. You could, but it's not really going to be helpful. Your kids might actually stop. I have a fantastic scene happening. It's kind of like, you know, like the, in the TV shows. Well, yeah, well, like I can imagine like the children are running around and there's chaos and there's things flying. And then you just have this clipboard and then you're like, yes, mm-hmm, yes, found it. Right. And then you just like plop something into their lap and then they're suddenly they're Ta-da! all happy. Yeah, that's not how this works. <laughs> OK, so so don't don't kill the messenger here. What it really is, is. The idea, we've talked about this before, that there is something under the surface going on. There is more than meets the eye. You're definitely seeing what you're seeing on top. What you're seeing from your child is not what's really going on. And so in the heat of the moment, it's about having empathy that and understanding that, okay, what else could be going on here? And we've created something that we call the behavior funnel. And it's like sifting for gold or, you know, I don't know what else you sift for. I think gold is a good example. But imagine sifting and you're each of the sifters, you've got all these different size sifters and they each have different size holes for the different size materials to go through. Are you sure this isn't 1823? Yeah, I'm sure it's not 1823. Okay. Okay. I thought maybe so we were back So I then. want you to imagine sifting. And for gold, for gold, because you're finding the gold under child's behavior. Sure. We're going to go for that. Yeah. I found gold. Okay, so (laughs) then you're looking for what is the most likely missing need. And then it goes less likely as you sift further. So you want to go in order. And there are six causes that we found. Number one is basic needs. So tired, hangry. It needs to go to the bathroom. Surprisingly, a lot of kids actually act out when they need to go to the bathroom and they don't know what that sensation is inside their body. Um, You can also have. We 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 literally just went to the pool with our daughter's friend and I texted the mom does, you know, does this this girl get hangry? Because I needed to know if I needed to shove food in her mouth or if she was going to come to me and say I need food. That's funny. Yeah. So knowing that. Yeah. It's really important. Um, are there basic needs being met? And with basic needs, then the big one that most people miss is do they feel safe? Do they feel secure? And a lot of times the anxiety, the excitement, the nervousness, the worry is actually what's causing a lot of the behavior. And so if we can get to that first, then we can a lot of times solve a lot of the problems. Mm-hmm. 
The second piece is one we've talked about, agnosium, and that's So connection. we're sifting down. We're sifting down. Okay. We're going to the next stage, and that's connection. Okay. So if it's not a basic need, if all basic needs are met, then we say, okay, does this child feel they are connected, that they are valued, that they are seen, that they are being heard, that they're being validated? And a lot of times, it's not just with the adult in the room. It's sometimes it's between the siblings. Sometimes it's something that happened at school. But if they don't feel seen or heard, if they don't feel valued, they're going to act out. They're going to treat the other person differently. The next one is a big one. And it's one that, again, I could do. I've written a whole book on it. You've written an actual book on it. Yeah. And that's sensory. And I feel like it's one of the most missed. For those of you on the podcast, he just did the thumbs backwards to the sensory book. So (laughs) it's one of the most missed needs behind children's behavior. And I think that if you've got a child who has already gotten diagnosed with something like autism or ADHD or any other, you know, they're, they're neurodiverse and you know that you've heard of sensory. And maybe if you're raising a very, you know, typically developing child, maybe you've heard of sensory needs, but for the most part, I find that it's like one or the other. And it's actually something that's behind all human needs. We all have more than five senses and those senses play a huge role in how we interpret the world and what can be behind a lot of the behavior that we're seeing. And I'm not going to go into all of them. You can definitely check out my book, Sensory Processing 101. It goes into, you know, extreme detail into the senses there. And the next one, we're sifting down again, and that would be skills. So is your child missing any skills that are needed to be able to do the thing in this moment? So are they missing communication skills? Are they missing the skill to be able to problem solve? Are they missing their emotional regulation skills? Like what skills are either developmentally, they're not even there yet. Like a good example of this is asking our kids to sit at the dinner table for 30 minutes to an hour and they're three years old. And it's like, they don't even developmentally have the skills to be able to do that. Well, sure. And to boot, it's not something that we practice. And then we only expect them to do it when we have dinner with our grandma. Some people want their kids to sit for dinner every night. Hun. So that is not always just like on a random occasion. I think it's like something that people do a lot. You know, and for me, I... I I ask a lot of questions, you know, of the friends that come to our house. And sometimes they look at me like, why are you asking me this? And it's because I'm literally trying to tell, like, do they have this skill or do they require assistance? Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. All right. And then the last two kind of go hand in hand, but you can sift through them and it's desires and avoidance. And a lot of professionals and experts actually jump to this and they say that kids are doing something for like either to get something or to avoid something. And I believe that people, all people are doing something to um, there's a reason why they're avoiding it or there's a reason why they want something. So it's it's last on the totem pole. We're not really going to dive deep into that one. But the key in the heat of the moment is basic needs, connection and sensory. You don't even really have to go that much further. It's more about using it after the blow up or the frustration to really get to the root of what's going on in the moment. You know, I know we talked a whole lot about this and your your brain is probably swirling like, how the hell am I supposed to remember all this in the heat of the moment? And you're really not. You're really not. You're really supposed to remember one. I'm going to swap my thought. 
right? I'm going to, what is my disempowering thought and what is a, a more empowering thought? And two is I'm going to move closer and I'm going to get lower. Three is, okay, there's something under the surface. What could it be? And staying curious. You don't have to remember all the steps or the pieces of it. And then the last one for empowering yourself is knowing ahead of time what you're going to say, do, and provide in the heat of the moment. Because if you're throwing a bunch of strategies at yourself in the heat of the moment, you're going to forget them. You're going to feel bad about it. You're going to you know, end up yelling instead of calmly saying the thing you want to say because your brain's not able to access the things that you're wanting to use. And so... I always think of this one kind of like a science experiment because you're you're creating the what are the they called like you want a variable? Yes, you only want one var- you want like to minimize how many things yes. are that you're changing. So that's what I think of when I think of the 111 plan. Absolutely. It well, is you make the the situation more predictable by having sort of the this is what we're going to do this is the plan. Yeah. And then you don't need to do that many like last minute audibles or changes. Yeah. And you're practicing these ahead of the moment before it happens. And you're using things like you're you're just kind of noticing. I notice this is happening. I see this is happening. I hear this is happening. And the do you've already practiced. It's getting closer and lower. And then the provide the easiest thing to provide in the heat of the moment is your calm presence. And so it's not about even adding more. You've already done most of the say, do, provide up until this point. And, um, but there's obviously a lot more things that you can do that you can provide, but it's when you add a whole bunch to the mix that things get really messy. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe we could get a clipboard and then you hand it to the kid and then they check off which one they're experiencing. That's what we could provide. No, we're not doing the clipboard. Throw the clipboard out. This isn't happening. I'm just, I, I want it to work. No, but I did, when you were describing that whole scenario with the clipboard, I did see a like animated picture of like an animated kids are fighting. And then the mom comes in, or the dad comes in and it goes like that. <laughs> and they pull out the clipboard and then they're like, and then it like, brightens on the part of the funnel that they're struggling with so it's it's like a magic eight ball like you shake it and then like out comes the the behavior (laughs) i don't know we've we've it's it's getting lost the plot on this one so here here's the last piece i i want to add in for in the moment Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is kind of just a, a high level way of thinking uh that really works for me and uh Sharing it with students, I think it works for them too. So I want to share it here. And it is, if you were to think of like your kid sort of as this like closed loop system, right? And what's happening is the the system is, uh, it's overloaded, right? So if you come in to the system that's closed and then you're like, oh, let me add my energy or my, you know, yelling at you or my aggressive body language whatever even that is your good strategies yeah it, sometimes even it really your good doesn't strategies. matter if it's if it's a negative energy that's a great point it can also just be hey let's try this let's do this let's move here and even that can short circuit yeah so it's it's literally like anything that goes into the system is going to come right back out whether that is a punch a kick a yell a scream 
<laughs> like a toy flying across your face or a clipboard flying across your face. So the idea is, you know, providing just like what's needed, no more. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the in the moment plan and what to do in the in the heat of the moment. I always think of the hero in one of those action movies where they've got to defuse the bomb and they've got to get in there and there's like six seconds left on the clock and it's like, and it's like counting down and they are not in there like trying to add anything. They are not trying to fix things. They're literally just trying to like get in there and make like the most yeah, minimal movement possible. What's the one possible. snip that What is I can the make? one tiny movement I can make that is going to diffuse this before it explodes? That's what you're doing in the heat of the moment. You're minimizing your movement. You're minimizing your words. You're minimizing what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're thinking. And you're just there to be the safe place. You're just there to give your kids a place where they can make mistakes, where you're not taking what they say personally. And you're holding off on any sort of teaching, coaching, discipline, mentorship, whatever you want to call it. And you're saving that for when everyone is calm and everyone is safe and everyone is connected. So I think this is a good point to kind of just take us home, wrap up, because like you you mentioned earlier, like there is a lot to say about in the moment. This is a very high level. I mean, in our huddle membership, we have over, I think we have over 25 in the moment plans for different situations. We're probably almost at like 30. Probably getting close to 30 um, for different situations. And and so, yeah, we could talk about this. We can. We have talked about. We it. have talked about it at nauseum, and and it changes depending on each child. It changes depending on the situation. And so, what we want you to think about is using it as a framework when you're going into a heated situation. The you is to swap your thoughts, right? How can I go into the situation with a more empowering thought that's not going to add fuel to my own fire and to theirs. Next, how can I get closer and lower to connect with them without adding a whole lot of extra input or stress to the situation? And then how can I change my perception so that I can understand and add more empathy and compassion in the moment so they can really get to the bottom of what's going on, even though I'm not asking a ton of questions right now in the heat of the moment. And then finally, how can I empower myself with something to say and something to do and provide in the heat of the moment that I've already planned out ahead of time so that if I start going into, you know, a stressed out zone, then I can still recall those three simple things that I'm going to do. And then next time I can evaluate, wait a second, that didn't work so well. Let me change that one thing. So that's really what we want to do in the heat of the moment. And that's what this stage is all about is empowering yourself, empowering your child and diffusing the situation without adding more fuel to the fire. And in the next episode, we're going to be talking about how to actually get ahead of these moments, how to unravel the behavior, how to problem solve with your child, how to build those skills out of the moment, because that's what the next stage is all about, is building that trust, building your relationship and creating the skills that your child needs so that both of you can feel empowered. Do you have anything else that you want to say? Toodles, poodles.
Toodles, poodles. All right. Well, I'm just going to say, don't forget that you are not alone in this. Even if you're thinking, yeah, but they don't know my kid. They don't know my situation. I guarantee you, we have heard something very, very similar. So don't hesitate to reach out to let us know what you're struggling with and to know that you are not a failure and your child is not broken. And with that, I want to remind you that you have got this. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.